Hey everyone, just want to let you know that this is a good old girlfriend talk and some of the content will not be appropriate for young children. So we encourage you to listen to this one on your own and exercise parental guidance. Thank you. Hello, family. You're tuned into The Real RX, a platform created by five uniquely talented physicians with one main mission to educate and empower our communities to do and feel better. Here is where we have real talk about trending health topics and your problems or issues in health and even the healthcare system. We'll take you behind the brains of an ophthalmologist family doctor, ER doctor, OBGYN, and healthcare advocate to discuss the real things that ail you. Join us for another episode of The Real Rx. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Real Rx. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We are going to start by introducing ourselves and then we will get started on today's topic. So why don't we start with Dr. Kimberly? Hey guys, I'm still back from my vacation, even though I did take another one before we recorded this episode. But my name is Dr. Kimberly. I help you to stay safe, healthy, and more importantly, thrive outside of the doors of the ER. And I'm also your favorite ER doctor. Thank you, Dr. Kimberly. Dr. Anika? Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Anika, the vision doctor, and I lead you through your eye exam so that you can see things more clearly because your success starts with your vision. Thank you, Dr. Anika. Dr. San. Hey, this is Dr. San, your board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist that help guide women through their pregnancy, their labor, their delivery, and their postpartum, and also help moms find their mommy nirvana. Hey, y'all. And I am Dr. Nicole. I am a board-certified pediatrician, a private health advocate, and the CEO of Your GPS Doc. I help family caregivers do three things, relieve overwhelm, reclaim their time, and ensure their loved ones are receiving appropriate and effective health care. So Dr. Felicia is not with us today. This is, you know, we're still in vacation season, and she is enjoying some time with her family. So we miss her today, but she will be back with us next week. So in case you didn't know, September is Healthy Aging Month, and this is a health observance that really is designed to focus attention on the positive aspects of growing older. And so we wanted to honor Healthy Aging Month and really just have a discussion about what it means to age and what it means to each of us to age, um, you know, just how are we dealing with aging in ourselves and our significant others. So that's gonna be our topic today. So I'd like to go around the room just to give you guys a frame of reference, our, our listening audience. We're gonna go around the room and we're gonna be extremely transparent and we're gonna each share our age. So I'll start, Dr. Nicole, I am 49. Tapping on that 50, y'all. This is Dr. Anika and I am 45 years old and three months. Sam, you gonna tell everybody you're 25 or? First of all, I had a birthday, so I'm 26. But you know, y'all need to stop um, like really concentrating on the earthly age because y'all know I'm a God girl. So I just, 
you know, I reside in the age of the Lord and that's 26. <laughs> but if we're going to talk about like the earthly age, I think I'm, um, y'all lie about my age so bad. I think I'm 38. 38. <laughs> but wait a minute, Sam. Can you explain what the age of the Lord is? Because I know the Jesus year is when you're 33. So what's what's age 26? I think it's the year of the melanin goddess. Is that what it is, Dr. Sam? The year of the melanin goddess? So the age of the Lord, like, you know, when you read the Bible, he says that he makes you in the likeness of him. And when I think of God, you know, I think of him as a black melanin man that never ever ages and he chooses when he wants you know he chooses his own age so because god made me in the likeness of him i just feel like i can do what jesus can do and so or what god can do so i'm technically 26 that's just how i can explain that wow okay I, i've never heard you explain it that way all yeah, right that's a strong delusion <laughs> I, you know, I just change it. You know, tomorrow could be a completely different answer. Um, but yes, that's that's just where God led me to say today. So I just feel like, you know, if God can be whatever age you want to be, then I can be, you know, whatever age I want to be. Period. Period. <laughs> Dr. Kim, do you care to share? <laughs> sure. My actual earthly, spiritual, celestial, uh, Jesus, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Apostolic, Evangelical Age. <laughs> it's all. All of them are 34. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had no idea that was going to be so uh, controversial or comical. Uh, all right. Thanks, ladies. So I guess, you know, to start, as you all know, you know, as, as women, just historically, traditionally, and none of us are traditional women, but traditionally, women, I think, kind of struggle a little bit more with aging than men. And part of it may be societal expectations or, you know, how we look and things like that. So I guess I would love to just kind of have whoever wants to share first, um, you know, have what struggles, if any, have you faced as you've gotten older. And I will say this healthy aging month, y'all, supposedly starts at age 45. I'm a little salty about that. Um, because I will say that when I've seen this before, I, I'm just going to be honest. I hope I'm not offending anybody, but I really thought that this month was really for like people in their, you know, 60s plus, maybe like Medicare age. <laughs> but apparently this month is for me. <laughs> it's for people that are 45 and older. Um, so I guess that includes Dr. Anika too. But I feel like, you know, the aging process, of course, is continuous, right? And so, you know, even when you go from your 20s to your 30s, from your 30s to your 40s, and so on, there are things that happen that is just kind of make us wake up and feel like, okay, y'all, I'm like, I'm really starting to get older. So what, what have you struggled with in, in your uh, aging process? So I, I will absolutely jump in here first. I have two things. I'm going to answer what you just brought up, Dr. Nicole. I have struggled with my weight as I have aged. I never had trouble maintaining a healthy weight in my younger years. I was always very active. I could eat almost what I want, whatever I wanted to eat, and it was no big deal. And probably at about 40 is when it really started to catch up with me, and I'm realizing that it takes a whole lot more exercise and a whole lot more dietary restriction 
to maintain a healthy weight. Um, so that is probably the thing that I have started to struggle with the most as I have kind of gotten into my fourth decade. But the thing that I, I just want to acknowledge the elephant in the room, because I know we're going to get to this topic, so I'm just going to go ahead and open it up now. I don't believe in not doing Botox. I don't believe in not doing fillers. I believe that you should do whatever that you can do within your financial means, within your, your comfort zone in order to maintain a, your confidence level as you get older. And Botox helps me to look in the mirror and not see a old wrinkled up, wrinkled up 45 year old. It really does. Uh, I see women who come in to our um, eye salon and they, they've had sun in their lives and they look weathered. And so I wish that, I wish that more people would consider doing that because these women will come in and they'll be down on themselves and depressed. And I'm not saying you have to do it to feel better about yourself, but when I smile and I don't have crow's feet, it makes me happy. It makes me very happy. So weight and starting to show my age through my skin and wrinkles are the two things that I think I've struggled with the most. And one of them I've tried to fix. Dr. Nick, I thought you were going to say when you said the elephant in the room, I thought you were going to talk about sex. Well, that's not really an elephant because, you know, we talk about that all the time. So we can share it with the people whenever you like. But, you know, we get down like that. <laughs> I don't want to put y'all on the spot, but I, I don't know. I'll just put it out there. Like, I've heard that as you get older, well, it's not I've heard. I've realized as a medical professional that as you get older, things change as far as your libido, your drive, your levels of, um, you know, just natural lubrication as you get older, especially if you're heading towards menopause, then you can have vaginal dryness. I know, saying you could talk about that. I don't know anything about that because I'm not anywhere near menopause age, but I'm just throwing it out there. But <laughs> what? I'm just hey, you, we said we're gonna keep it real, y'all. I'm not. Shade. I'm nowhere near. That's shade. That's no shade. Okay. Are you done? Uh, oh. <laughs> is you finished or is you is done? I'm finished Dr. or Kira? is I'm done? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is about to get real. Okay, <sighs> let, me, let me chime in. So as, as you are, I'm the oldest one in the bunch, y'all. I already said I'm 49. We didn't say Felicia. Honestly, I don't know how old Felicia is. And since she's not here to consent. I think she's, oh, thir- she's in her 30s. We're, yes. We're that. Mid, mid to late, I think. Mid. No, early, early. Oh, early to mid. Okay, early to mid. We'll just She's younger that. than me. Um, but yeah, so I'm the grandma of the group. And so, um, man, there's so many things to say. Kim just caught me off guard with the sex thing. So let me just go there. I was going to talk about weight and wrinkles and all that, but now I have to address this sex thing. So I can only speak for myself. (laughs) Um, I don't know when menopause is going to happen for me, but thank you, Lord. I can say that um, my libido and my lubrication is (laughs) a-okay. And but one thing, and I'm one thing I will share though on a serious note is that um, my husband's going to kill me for this. But when I was, um, so you all, you know, those of you listening, you know that we're all doctors, right? And part of our process, part of this process to become a doctor is that you pretty much give up all semblance of a normal life until you're like 30 um, or you know very late 20s. And so you know, I um, finished residency at the age of. 
30. And, um, you know, during medical, my husband and I got married my second year in medical school. So of course, during medical school, I mean, I just ain't have time for, you know, the shenanigans, aka, you know, fun under the covers, all that kind of stuff. And we had a baby. So between my newborn and medical school and all the other stuff, I'm just going to keep it real. Like I'll, I'll, that, that act, sex got pushed to the bottom of the burner. And then I started residency. And so now I have a two, two-year-old and I'm, in a, I'm a resident and I'm taking call and all this crazy stuff. So the bottom line is my husband used to joke with me when, you know, during those days, because he would be like, okay, like, you know, you keep, you keep turning me, turning me away. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a time when you're going to want it and I'm not. And I'm not saying that he doesn't want it, <laughs> but what I'm saying is women, I think, reach their sexual prime later than men. So just to address Dr. Kimberly's um, inquiry about whether those of us who may be close to menopause <laughs> have libido issues, it, it really is funny now because now he's the busy one and I'm the one like tap, 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 like, hey, <laughs> hello. So um Girl, I chased my husband around the house. It's terrible. And I was never that way. I, I mean, my story is almost identical to yours. It's kind of scary because I was busy. I was busy being, you know, Miss, Miss Scholarly person. And I had to be top in this. And I was the overachiever and completely the type A person. And that was the last thing on my list because that was not getting me any further in life. So that was not top on my priority list. But now in my 40s, oh my gosh, my husband is like, what is wrong with you? I don't even know what it is. Nah, <laughs> so let me tell y'all, sex enjoying in your 40s it. is good sex, okay? <laughs> I'm over here snapping my fingers like she talking poetry, honey. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, that's all a part of being healthy, making sure that all of your organs are getting good blood flow and they're not getting worn out or well actually making sure that they're getting worn out but at least that they're you know there's no cobwebs anywhere because as we get older we get gray hairs and things like that in different places so as long as the equipment keeps working I say keep keep it keep on using it can I tell you how mortified I was when I saw my first gray pubic hair mortified <laughs> me too it well, comes before your head gets gray too, and it is like, oh my god, that's a day. That's a that's a day when you drink a lot of wine. That is. Well, I would like to say, well, I will put myself in this scenario. So I had my first gray pubic hair when I was in college, and so, oh my god, I cannot believe I'm telling you guys this story on a podcast. <laughs> Anyhow, um, what happened was, as I was over my line sister's house. And I told them, like, in the room, because we were all just, like, watching TV, hanging out. I was like, oh, I can't say verbatim what I said. But long story short, <laughs> I was just like, um, does that mean that there's extra wear and tear on it? That's the PG version of what I said. And they fell out laughing. Y'all can't hear them laughing, but Anika and Wait, um, Nicole is that, are... Is that like you got mileage on your JJ? <laughs> Her tread is worn down like a tire. I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny that's exactly what I meant. That's awful. I can neither confirm nor deny. But they fell out just like y'all are doing right now. Oh, gosh. Dr. Sam, save us. And I started to get more gray hair in my head. So I have, I have a lot of gray hair now, which is crazy. 
but but yes. So I can tell y'all from the OB perspective, I can say that to, you know, it comes in two answers. So one answer, the older that you do get, your estrogen does actually start to decrease and your testosterone can actually decrease also. So your estrogen and your testosterone kind of can drive your libido. So the older that you get, you can have a drop in your libido. Now, with that being said, I can say that most women who come in who are older who say that their libido has decreased and research actually backs this is, is not a physical thing. It's the mental thing. And so as women get older, they have more responsibility, you know, um, you know, as women get older, you know, they're dealing with might not even be their own health issues, but health issues of their loved ones. So that's more stress or their husband, you know, they lose, their libido and so it's just kind of like it's more of a mental thing that the women are just like well i don't feel like he's as attracted to me so it's not that my libido is down it's just that my confidence is down and so that is honestly what i have found more so in my older population versus someone who has the absolute perfect life and they have a low libido can that happen it can but even with those women i start asking more questions like tell me what's going on in your life right now and you will find that they have all these stressors going on and so we just i just talk about ways to decrease their stress and it could be something as simple as i tell them to go on a staycation go to a hotel remove yourself from your house and your stressors to see if that will actually increase your libido and for a lot of women they're like oh my god that really really did help because at home i have you know we're building a new house or we're knocking down a wall or my grandkids you know my child and my grandkids have moved back in and i didn't realize how much stress my house house actually bought me but just being down the road in a hotel completely relieved me of the stress and I was able to you know get my libido back I felt sexy again so does age play a part in it it can but honestly for and like I said research shows it it's more mental for women for men it's physical but women it's literally like you know I'm mad at him because he ain't took the trash out so now I'm mad now I don't want to have sex period like, I'm mad at him because he didn't pick up the kids, or I'm stressed out because my boss was mad at me about so-and-so. So when I was trying to have sex, I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that my boss screamed at me today. It's more mental than physical with women. That makes perfect sense, Dr. San. Um, that makes perfect sense. And especially when you were saying about the, um, you know, kind of not feeling attractive, and that kind of circles back to what Dr. Anika was saying, you know, because the reality is as we get older, it is more difficult to maintain, you know, that look that we had, whether it's the weight, you know, I, I have also struggled. Um, and I mean, I'm battling like every day to try to maintain a healthy weight. And, um, you know, like you said, the wrinkles, the gray hair, all those things. And so if we don't see ourselves as attractive, then we project that onto our partner and assume that they don't see us as being attractive and that absolutely can mess with your mind and you know your your libido so i appreciate you sharing that because i think a lot of people would just kind of automatically assume that it's a physical problem but you know we we know we and y'all we've talked about this a lot on the real rx but you know the mind body and spirit are all connected so um i think that's very useful information any other any other aging challenges that you all want to talk about? I'm trying to think. Anything else as far as aging? 
Can I throw in one thing? It's just talking about body image and all those things with your partner. It is really hard if your partner is in great shape too. Um, My first husband was a um, bodybuilder. He actually competed. And there is nothing like body shaming when the person you're with looks like Hercules or an Adonis. And so it can, it can really get to you. It can get inside your head. It it can. So um, as a woman, if you and your spouse are on totally different extremes, as far as your attention to fitness or um, healthy eating, healthy, healthy lifestyles, then if you're the person who's not as attentive, then I hope that your spouse or your partner is someone who encourages you um, and helps you to do better and doesn't shame you uh, into feeling guilty about it. Really, really good point. Dr. Kim, you have something to add? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I was going to say, like, as if, if you're always comparing yourself to your partner, then that could be very difficult. So making sure you have someone that you're aging with that supports you throughout all of your seasons and everything that you go through is really important. But I'll say something kind of going from 20s to 30s. I do feel like the same way that Dr. Nicole said that, you know, I spent most of my good 20s and a little bit of my early 30s in, you know, training to becoming a physician. But um, my pivotal point from turning 29 to 30, I was also waiting to figure out where I was going to match for residency. And those of you who are not medically inclined, that's a huge moment in a medical student about to be a full uh, or be a physician's life is like, you go on all these interviews and you do all of these things and you're just waiting to hear if you get, you know, where you want to go. So that's a really rough nine, 10 month period that we go through as doctors. Um, But I say that to say that when I was kind of going from 29 to 30, I felt a shift mentally. Um, I started to get really more comfortable in who I was as a person. It's just like, okay, Kim, like, You've been you for 30 years now. Some things are going to change and some things aren't. And I became really secure in myself as far as certain things are going to be just, it is what it is. And there's no point of me trying to to change them. Um, And I think me kind of putting down that mental battle was really healthy for me because my skin ain't going to get no lighter unless I do a cosmetic procedure, which I don't believe in. Um, certain things about my body is not going to change. Like my hips are just going to be this wide, period. My booty is just going to be flat, period, until I go get uh, plastic surgery to get it bigger or have a baby. Maybe it'll make it bigger. But certain things will change. But then I've also had to mentally forgive myself for some things that I did in my 20s, just being young, dumb, and stupid, and just not knowing any better to be honest with you. So just a mental shift was big for me going from, you know, 20s to 30s. Also too, um, physically, some things just hurt from time to time, just randomly. Like I still go to the gym and um, I'm still able to work out and hang out, but not as much as I would have or should have when I was in my 20s. So things are a little bit more difficult. So I can relate to what Anika was saying. I've all, I've always struggled with, with my weight, period. And so it's just a little bit more of a struggle now. Um, two, kind of related to the first thing I said, is that um, how I perceive myself physically 
has changed because I think how I was raised, I was always raised to cover up and don't show this and do, don't do that. Don't, you know, that's too short. That's too long. That just, and I never really wore a bikini growing up. I would barely wear swimsuits, but this is also something that happened to me over like my I'm working on my body to do better and I have done some things but I have been more comfortable with myself and my body image for the first time in my life there's some people whose bodies look quote better than mine and there's a lot of people's body that look quote worse than mine it's just we are who we are as people and just getting over that mentally and learning how to just accept how what I look like physically has been really huge on my mindset and my mental health and not comparing myself to anyone else either. I absolutely love every single thing you said. And and there really is there there really is a transformation, I think, that occurs with each decade. And I remember feeling what you're talking about, you know, going from from my twenties to thirty and just feeling um, like really empowered and you just kind of you kind of get this attitude so to speak where you just don't really care as much about what other people think about you and and girl the way till you hit 40 I mean once I hit 40 I was like I really don't care um, what you all think about so I mean there's something empowering about aging and I'm, I really love this discussion because I think you know when I was younger there really was there really wasn't a lot of good there weren't a lot of good things being said about aging. I mean, you know, people just kind of looked at it as, oh, you're gonna get old, your your joints are gonna hurt, and you're gonna get wrinkles and gray hair, and you're gonna get all these health problems and you're gonna die. But like now, I feel like society has changed so much with like, you know, the 40 is the new 30 and 50 is the new 40 and whatever, 80 is the new 60. I don't know what they're saying. But like there's just this, there really is a more positive outlook. Um, about aging and I, I'm somebody that has always been very honest about my age and because I really see it as a blessing. I mean, I have my mom died when she was 49 years old. I'm 49 years old now and that freaks me out. I mean, like, I think about the fact that if I were to die right now, like I, there are so many more things that I want to do with my life and I feel even though 49 is, you know, I'm not a spring chicken, so to speak, but I really do feel very young. I, I look pretty young and so when I think about my mother, I'm like, I cannot, I can't even imagine my life ending right now because I just feel like I have so much more to do and so much more to offer. So anyway, that really, um, I think, helps me kind of put things in perspective. Um, but yeah, that whole self-acceptance thing, I mean, it's like, I think that's what makes women sexier. I don't know, maybe men too, but you get sexier, in my opinion, when you age because it's all about the mindset. And I, I all, we've all seen people who, you know, they may not look all that great or like Kim, you were saying with the bikini thing, you, you know, we've all been on the beach where you have seen a big sister and she is rocking that bikini and she, I mean, she has that, her head is up high and she's confident and you do a double take like, all right now, you know, but because it, it's all up here. And I think, you know, if we could all just spend a little more time um, with mindset and with just loving ourselves and not being so focused on the external and doing that internal work because I, I just feel blessed to be aging and I can't wait till 50. I'm already over here trying to figure out how am I going to celebrate this milestone. But, um, you know, aging, aging is great. I mean, the way I see it as somebody who's lost both parents and a lot of other relatives is that it's a blessing to be able to age. So I have two choices. I can either age and get 
aches and pains and wrinkles and gray hair, or I can be out of this, you know, not on this earth anymore. And right now I'm choosing to age. <laughs> yes, Dr. Kim? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think when I was younger, meaning like, you know, 10, 12 years old, like I always thought of older people as scary, like, man, I'm never going to get that old. I used to think about the year 2015. Man, in 2015, I'm going to be so old. It's going to be off. I don't even know if I'm going to be alive. And I guess when, when that, like in the 80s and 90s, like you said, so many people had a completely different mindset. I just think about my grandmother getting her, in, like giving herself insulin shots and you know, all these relatives having dementia. I remember these things very clearly as a kid, and it made me very scared to get older. And I thought about, of course, I've always wanted to be an adult, but it's like I always looked at aging as a very scary thing. Like all, like you said, everything is going to just fall apart one day, and I'm going to be in a nursing home. But I guess I look at shows like reality TV, like Real Housewives, not plugging them, but plugging them just in case y'all want to cast from this, you know, this podcast group um, and married to medicine because it's like you see these women and when you like look up their ages, they're like 40s, 50s, 60s. Like I'm thinking about Ramona from Real Housewives in New York, Vicki Gunvalson. Well, she got lost her orange, but she's not a, a full-time cast member, but she's like in her mid 50s. Nene Lakes Nene just turned every 50. Every bit of her mid-50s, too. I just want to put that out there. Oh, Jesus Lord. We need a better example. But I'm saying... <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, is that they don't look like the stereotype. Um, more specifically, Nene and Ramona, because Ramona looks amazing. They don't look with a stereotype. And like Cynthia. How old is Cynthia? Cynthia is in her 50. Because she... Right, Cynthia. She, she just had her 50 cent party, so she's like she the bomb. She is the bomb. She is. When I was thinking about 50, I didn't picture you, Nicole. I didn't picture somebody that looked like you, Anika. I right, somebody right. half bent over, and <laughs> like you know, and full of gray hair, eight you know, eight million grandchildren around them. You're right, but, but that's how society, I guess, positively ish has changed our mindset around aging and say, hey, you could be 50 and fabulous. You could, you know, get a new husband, get your little weave put in, you can wear your little bikini. It don't matter. You can have five boyfriends. You can come see your OBGYN, Dr. Gordon, and get your trichomonas um, treated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, okay. Dr. Sand, isn't there a statistic that says that the the highest, the um, fastest growing yes. um, age um, range is in the nursing homes. And yes. like 60 or 60 years old. Let me tell you something. They getting it in. I diagnose a uh, older woman. And when I say older, I, I, I mean like 40, 50, 60, even 60s y'all with an STD every single week from gonorrhea to chlamydia to trichomonas all the way down to herpes. I do. And they're getting it in. And so I have to have the whole conversation with them like, girl, you better use some protection messing around with these old men to give you worms. Cut it out. But you know what? <laughs> At that age, I guarantee you in their mind, 
they are they don't feel like they're at risk they don't they're like we aren't sleeping around like that but yes we are sleeping around. it just takes one person i tell them that y'all where i work at it's a small town i swear they're sleeping with the same man all giving them gonorrhea i'm like if y'all don't leave that man alone and stop with this darn gonorrhea but like older women they are getting it in and i'm not mad at them i just want them to be protected and to be safe about it. So we have a whole conversation about being safe and protected and, you know, they, they just need to wrap it up. They can't get pregnant, but you can get a whole lot of other things. I tell them that all the time. Yeah, you might not get pregnant, but that ain't the worst thing. That ain't the worst thing you can get. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, wow. Okay. I'm a little speechless mm-hmm. on that one, although I have seen those statistics. Yeah, Dr. Kim. So part of healthy aging is also protecting all of your parts appropriately and still wrapping it up. If Let me tell you, I had this one come in and she was, she's absolutely beautiful. She's um, an older woman um, in her 60s, um, beautiful gray hair. Um, she's very, you know, fit, athletic. And she was married for like 20 something years and her husband passed and she met this um, other uh, man who was married for like 30, 20 years and his wife was actually tragically killed. And so she came in to see me and I saw her name because she's one of my, you know, patients that I just remember. And I saw she was coming in for an STD check. So I'm like, what the hell is she coming in for an STD check for? So I go in there and she was just like, you know what, Dr. Gordon? She was like, I know I don't have anything. She was like, but I feel like I owe it to him and I owe it to myself to be able to present him papers that says that I don't have anything. And she said, and he's at his doctor right now doing the same thing. I love it. Good for you. And she was just like, I love him. She was just like, I've never met anybody who made me feel like this after my husband. I didn't think love like this was, you know, capable after losing my husband. She was like, but he's such a wonderful man. And she was like, and I don't think that he has anything. And she was like, and I know I don't. She was like, but I just, she was like, I'm being responsible. And I feel like I owe him this paper the same way he owes me that paper. Y'all, I stood right up off of that stool and gave her the biggest hug. And I'm not a hugger. But I was so proud of her. I was wow. so proud of her for doing that. And then it's she was like, like they, they have to have the same conversations that our adolescents and young adults are having. I mean, as a pediatrician, mm-hmm. those are the things that we recommend to our young people is when you're when mm-hmm. you're in a new relationship, you go get tested, make sure the other yep. person gets tested, and y'all show each other the proof, you know, yep. you're HIV negative and STI negative. Wow. That is yep. awesome. <laughs> I was so proud of her. I was so proud of her. She was laughing, but I was like, you don't understand. I was like, usually I see you after the deed is done and after you start having symptoms and blah, blah, blah. So definitely, you know, the older population, don't forget those rules. Like, you know, um, Dr. Nicole said, like the rules don't change because of your age. You know, just because you turn a certain age, it does not rule you out for certain things. Like another thing, you know, pap smears. So um, at now the guidelines recommend that we stopped doing pap smears after 65. And uh, pap smears and HPV. And let me tell y'all why they do it. The reason why they um, said that women over the age of 65 no longer have to have pap smears and HPV testing, y'all, is because somebody, probably a man, has sat up in the chair and said that, well, women after 65 ain't having sex anyway, so how can they get HPV? (laughs) And that's really the reason why. They're just like, well, they're 65 years old. How could they have cervical change? And I'm like, well, the most common cause of 
you know, cervical cancer is HPV. And they're like, but yeah, you get that from sex. I'm like, yes, women over 65 are having sex. And then they were just like, well, nine times out of 10, they're having sex with their husbands or the same partner that they have for the last 20 years. And I'm like, no, they're not. You know, women at 65 may be widowed. Women at 65 may never want to have, you know, never want to get married. I have 65-year-old, 70-year-old women who are dating and are still having a sexual life. So I say all that to say that, you know, if you are over the age of 65 and your um, OBGYN has stopped doing pap smears or says that it's time for you to stop having pap smears, make sure that you are giving them adequate information and make sure they're asking you the right questions. So whenever my patients become, you know, they come in and they're 68 years old for their pap smear or their annual, the first thing I ask them is, has there been any changes in sexual partners? Have there been any changes in your sexual activity? And if they tell me no, and I look back and say, okay, well, your last pap smear was completely normal, no HPV, no testing. But if they tell me no, you know, I'm now having sex with someone else or, you know, I'm having sex with my husband, but you know what? I still want to get a pap smear because I know what I'm doing. I don't know what he's doing. And the answer is you're right. You're absolutely right. So, you know, don't get caught up in the guidelines of your GYN is just telling you, well, you're 65, you don't need them anymore. Well, just know the reasons why they stopped doing them at 65. It's because they feel that women over 65 aren't having sex anymore, so they cannot come into contact with HPV. Not true. Nope. Wow. That's a really good point because so much of, so much, you know, the medical guidelines are often, like you said, created by men. Um, you know, they don't really take women into account. We know they don't take people of color into account. So that's a really good point to, for people to understand why the guidelines are in place and when you may not fit into that guideline. Because not y'all may not have a Dr. Sand who's going to, you know, give you that thorough history and ask the right questions. You may have to speak up for yourself. Um, before we go, I just wanted to touch briefly about loneliness because I don't know if you all have seen some of the um, research, but they're saying like loneliness is, is basically like the new chronic disease um, among aging adults. And there are studies that show that, um, you know, it can cause an early death and, um, you know, a lot of the, um, like even heart disease and a lot of other illnesses are now being kind of linked to loneliness. And, you know, I know, um, I think my grandmother was like maybe 94, if I'm remembering correctly, when she passed away. And she had been um, very vibrant, really up until like the last maybe year or so of her life. But like, I remember when she was younger, she just had this group of girlfriends and they would travel and go to all these amazing places. And, you know, they had their little their class reunions and she was still in touch with, you know, the people she went to high school with. And then, of course, the older you get, you know, your friends die, your spouse or your significant other dies. And, you know, it can be really difficult to, um, and then, you, you know, your family members have moved on, your kids may live in other states and may not really have time for you or may not, you know, make time for you. So I think it's just something for those of us who aren't in our 60s, 70s, 80s and have aging parents, or for those of you who have aging parents, it's just something to really think about, you know, check on your parents and encourage them to, um, you know, continue to have connections, encourage them to um, not just be physically active, but to actually be social, you know, which I think it gets very difficult when you age to be social. You know, the things that you used to enjoy, you may not be able to enjoy anymore. And so, you know, maybe I think the natural response is for people to just kind of retreat. So I don't know. What are you all's thoughts? about that 
Or are you are you seeing any of that in your own parents, Dr. Sand, Dr. Kimberly? Mm -hmm. Girl, my mom, she had a hot girl summer. <laughs> my mom, uh, my dad is deceased. Um, he died. Um, goodness, how long has it been? Um, eight years ago. Um, so my mom, you know, she's out there living her best life. Um, this summer, her and her girlfriends, they went to the beach and they like had like little dinner dates and all kinds of stuff. So I'm happy about that. Um, my sister still lives down there. So my sister kind of keeps my mom very busy because she has a catering business. So um, definitely my mom is out there living her best life. Like I'd be like, mommy, you ain't called me in two days. She was like, I've been at Myrtle Beach. I'm like, well, you still need to call me. She's like, whatever. Like, I'm trying, I'm being my mom's mom. And she ain't paying me no attention. It hurts my feelings. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, I just realized she didn't call me today. Now I'm mad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Sandra is doing it up. She's living her best life. She is. Go, Sandra. <laughs> well, I'll say this. Um, so let's talk, I'm going to talk about myself and then I'll talk about my mom. So my mom um, is single, never been married. And I think now that I'm like officially out of the house, like not bouncing back and forth in between opportunities or things um, that I think she's really starting to feel the loneliness. She's really involved in church. And I've noticed that over the years, she's gotten more and more involved and, and taking on more responsibilities. And I think because, you know, that helps to fill the time. I'm living in Memphis. She's still back in Milwaukee. But the vast majority of our friends, her friends and family are there too. But still, it's just different um, because we've had several people that are close to our family pass away um, in the last 10 years or so. So, you know, she's starting to feel that effect of people, you know, leaving permanently, kind of like what your, um, your mom has been going through saying, but I will say friendships as you get older and as you age are just just different and they're harder to make in a way. I think especially kind of like in our age range. And when I say our, meaning everyone on this call, on this podcast, you guys, um, because we're all really busy. We're still career oriented. You guys have children. You guys are working up on these careers. And now, you know, we are got together to start a podcast. So our time is, you know not as free as it used to be when we were in, in college um, and in our 20s and in our early 30s. So it's just different these days um, and harder to make adult friendships. But I would like to say I'm glad that we were able to form a friendship and we're missing Felicia, of course, Dr. Felicia, but it's, you have to be very, very intentional. Like if you're lonely, like you can't just be at home and be lonely. Like you have to go be social, like go out, to that, that jazz in the park, go out to the grocery store and speak to somebody you don't know. Do something out of your comfort zone because when you show yourself friendly, you it's easier to make friends. And then it's harder to keep, you know, have a little friend date coffee. So you have to continue to be intentional with your friends, texting them, calling them, whatever it takes for you to continue that friendship as well. As physicians, have y'all noticed, like, um, you know, I'm a GYN, so it's, you know, mostly women, but I've um, noticed that a lot of my patients use coming to see me, like, as a social visit. Like, some of my patients, I look down, and I know ain't nothing wrong with them. I'm like, oh, here she come. Ain't nothing wrong with him. She doesn't her wrong with her. She doesn't want to talk. And that's what we do, and I have no problems with it, because when I tell you these old women know the tea, oh, they be feeling it. Um, <laughs> 
But they come in and they just need like a little social visit. And I'm like, okay, we'll talk about things. We'll laugh about things. And, and so do y'all notice that, you know, I don't know if Dr. Anika, she would have that being an ophthalmologist, but um, I just, I guess neither one of y'all, because the ER, Lord, if somebody comes into the ER, that's a little conversation. We have chronic patients. Yeah, we have chronic patients. So let's say our glaucoma patients are long-term patients for us, and they come in for their pressure check, but their pressure's been stone cold stable, and they've been coming every three months, and every time you say, well, you can come in six months, they're like, no, 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 I yeah. need to come in three months. I have to make sure <laughs> so they enjoy that that little bit of fellowship that they that mm-hmm. we provide and they they definitely come in the er um because <laughs> think about it it's it's the perfect environment you go from being lonely and then you literally have someone waiting on you hand and foot there's somebody to greet you at the door there's a nurse to ask you oh my gosh what's wrong how are you doing today asking you all of these questions you have a doctor is concerned oh my gosh what's going on how, how can we help you today and et cetera and so forth maybe that day you have a complaint that gets you put in the hospital and then the, the attention continues and maybe you get discharged home but healthcare, because that's what we do is we care for people is that any kind of touch point that they can get someone to care about them or just be around people, even if they're screaming because they're drunk or whatever. And the ER, people, some people thrive off of that. Now, thankfully, at where I am, that's not um, the vast majority of people, but there are a few people that do come in just to say, oh, hey, how are y'all doing? So. I would, I would never have thought about that. Um, wow. Especially the ER. I can definitely see right. with the GYN, but I mean, I think it's it's somewhat comforting to know that people have that kind of relationship with their doctor, you know, that they will find that as a source of comfort or even want to go see their doctors for a social visit. I think that speaks highly of those of, of you all, honestly, because um, I think there's a lot of people, that's the last person they would want to go see is is their doctor. Well, this has been a, an enlightening and absolutely hilarious conversation. Um, so I hope that this has been helpful to our listeners. You know, we come to you, with, to you all from various age ranges, and we really just wanted to share our own perspectives about aging. And I hope that you took something away from this. You know, I think the, the, some of the biggest lessons are really that you are not your age. You know, whatever your numerical age is, whether it's, you know, the celestial, the Jesus your heavenly age, <laughs> yeah, the, the age that Dr. Sand uses or your true numerical age, that number does not define who you are. And so I think that's really the most important thing that we can leave you all with. So please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you are not already a subscriber of The Real Rx, you can do that right now while you are finishing this episode. Just go ahead and click subscribe. Be sure to share our podcast. We are very, very, very close to 1,000 downloads, which is a big milestone for us. So please share our podcast so that we can hit that mark really, really soon. And, uh, you know, just tell your friends about us. Tell your family members about us. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. So we are on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Rx Media. And we look forward to hearing from you all um, on social media. And just be sure to uh, catch us next week. This podcast usually drops on Thursdays. 
Um, so just be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a new episode. So we will see you all next week. Ladies, it's been real. Take care, Dr. Felicia. We'll see you next week. And that's a wrap. Good night. Bye-bye.